It's just plain wrong that getting a good night's sleep is so hard. You know, sleep doesn't have to be this hard. There is a faster way to get better sleep. Sleep Takeout gives you real practical sleep solutions and your questions answered. I'm Dr. Bond, and I'm a licensed psychologist. And I'm Dr. Satuni, and I'm a board-certified sleep and pulmonary physician. And we're here to talk to you about sleep advice without a pill. This Sleep Takeout podcast is for information and entertainment purposes. This podcast is not intended as professional or legal advice. Podcasts are not treatment. Sleep disorders and mental health conditions need to be individualized with the healthcare provider. Sleep Takeout is not a replacement for professional advice or recommendations. So help your friends sleep better. Share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hey, Michelle, I'm good. Happy to be back again recording another fun episode. I just watched the funniest like job that I never knew existed was <laughs> to be a professional cuddler. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> have you heard of this before? I have heard of them. I'm kind of like I'm 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 not my I'm my I have not formed a conclusion about it yet. But yes, I've heard of these things. Tell me what you what were you reading about? Are you going to become a cuddler? Well, so it was a movie that I was uh, so okay. So I have teenagers, and I uh-huh. try to, I don't know, just get interested in something that they're interested in. So they were watching these videos uh-huh. on, I think it's on YouTube. Yeah, and there was this thing about you know the the person how they were preparing to go to work, and that that's what they do for a living is they cuddle for a living. So oh, wow. they get uh, a little list of the people that they're going to be cuddling for. Uh-huh. Um, they get paid by the hour, and they mm-hmm. cuddle by less than an hour. I want to say it's like forty five minute sessions. Uh-huh. And so you know you know what how old they are, if you know if they're a man or a woman. Wow. Um, you know what position that they like to lay on and where you're Are they big be. spoon, little spoon? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so they were oh just saying, gosh. I'm showing up for my day. And I was just thinking how, like, how utterly boring it would be to have that job. <laughs> and they were basically... I love that your response is like, that sounds like a boring job. Well, they were basically saying that uh, the the person that were doing, they were true empaths and they, mm-hmm. they actually got joy out of doing this, that, sure. they, that they weren't like listening to earbuds and podcasts on the side because I was thinking it's just another market of people that could listen to our podcast. Right. But, yeah. you know, you pulled up this website here and they, it's called thecuddlist.com. Yeah, so, um, so I've heard of these these people before. So yeah, they look they look like they're really really happy, but it also looks like stock photography. It does, uh, but you know, so this is I think it brings up a lot of interesting thing of like pros and cons, and is because and we totally didn't plan it, but yeah. your your book that you want to review today is like a ta- the science how to how the science of attachment can help you make and keep friends. Yes, because I want to talk today about sleep and friendships because I would say one of the another one of the common things that I see. Uh, for people of my clients who have truly had their life just disrupted by poor rest is that your friendships tend to start becoming frayed and friendships tend to start fall off, uh, falling off and uh, being less consistent. And I mean, the same is true for other like chronic medical conditions. This happens a lot too with chronic pain. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to kind of chat and in, in depth today about friendships and why it's hard 
to actually maintain friendships as adults. So and question. Yes. So, like, and yeah. I, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Uh-huh. Is the universal sign, like the universal symbol for friendship, a rainbow? I do not know. I mean, rainbows I, have lots of meanings. Well, so, but, but I'm just noticing that it, it's multiple, multiple, maybe it's just that multiple colors are really nice, but they all look like actual rainbows. Are like you talking the about Roy the cuddlest? Yeah. Oh, well, I think, I don't know. So back to the cuddlest. So yes, our thing that we were reviewing, they also have merchandise that they want to sell you, like their pillows, their t-shirts, those types of things. Um, so the, they could be, they could be sponsors of the podcast. They they might want to sponsor a podcast. Maybe we should have a cuddle session, and then <laughs> then we can report back on how it is. So here's here's my hang up about about I, cuddling. I'm, unless unless it, <laughs> if that person popped out of my body, like I'm not gonna cuddle. Well, so yeah, so I think this is a challenge. Of so a cuddleist would be someone who's like an unlicensed professional. Um, and I think there's a lot of ripe opportunity for misuse and potentially abuse. I don't think it's a bad idea for some people, but I definitely think that there are some things that could be happening that may not be um, ideal and you might not know how to respond to it or handle it in the moment. So I think that's where there could be some challenges with something like a professional cuddler. Um, and I'm sure that they have had lots of, conversations about how to handle different things and those types of things so i don't know what do you think michelle do you think like i mean you just said you would never do you don't want to cuddle i personally would not i mean i would rather have a stuffed animal Um, that's why i'm really interested to hear about your your friendship things but Mm -hmm. um you know friendships to me don't imply a you know a close physical relationship oh yeah yeah right um it does require an in-person encounter in many situations, um, it's not required, but right. I think that that really adds that extra dimension. But I'm interested to see what you you have to say. Yeah. Well, so, you know, I think the thing that's important just to acknowledge about. And so the book here that I want to talk about and then also lead it in the conversation, the book here, it's called Platonic. We'll put um, it in the show notes. And it's by Marissa G. Franco. She is a counseling psychologist. I forget where she's at. She's at, I think it says it on the back cover here. She is at the University of Maryland. Um And it's called How the Science of Attachment Can Help You Make and Keep Friends. But what's really, I think, kind of a helpful piece, and we're going to talk more about the book in in a few moments, but I think what can be helpful just to acknowledge is that in general, uh, and I'm going to make some broad general statements, which may or may not be true for each of our individual listeners out there, but in general, a lot of American culture tends to really prioritize romantic connection and romantic relationships above strong platonic friendships and you know i think you kind of see a lot of this and in terms of you know we um i don't want to say we but you know i think there's a strong tendency of when you're you know with somebody new you tend to your friend connections tend to decrease a little bit as you're devoting more time and energy to that you know new significant other um and one of the real interesting things that we know about from the the research is that you know platonic friendships provide a tremendous amount of social support both when you're you know when you have a significant other and you're in a relationship as well as when you're single and you don't have a significant other and so one of the things that we know is that health outcomes improve drastically for people when they have more social support and health outcomes tend to decrease rather significantly for people when you are lacking social support um why do you think that is michelle like why do you think we are less healthy when we are not as connected to other people. Well, I mean, there is a 
uh, like a whole thought process from anthropology that Mm -hmm. humans need other humans to survive. So Mm -hmm. other animals in the natural world, uh, they come out fully formed. There's, they have instincts Mm -hmm. and they have, um, you know, maybe parents that actually are like supposed to eat them if they stay around, (laughs) you know, or at least, or attack them. (laughs) And humans just aren't the way this, you know, they're not built this way. So we are meant to be around other people. Uh I think the other thing that, especially in, you know, industrialized society and like first world countries is we all are um, kind of delegated a task. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have other people that are responding to that task, you know, someone's the speaker, someone's the listener, and that those roles can be reversed, Mm -hmm. um, but they're not reversed at the same time. Because when we find that those those roles are reversed at the same time, um, we actually... I mean, it fits into the category of some people that are on the spectrum disorders is they don't understand their roles in that society. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's it, it's one of these really, really interesting points on why, um, you know, people get attached to one portion of that, uh-huh. that friend group and that yep. relationship and that you almost have to work hard if you're not used to being in that role so exactly so i love what you just said because you know as human beings we are hardwired to connect with other people and yet that doesn't mean that making keeping friends comes easily for a lot of us like it actually truly is a struggle and i would say at different points and times in our lives i will say like as an adult making friends is a lot harder it's a different dynamic especially yeah yeah especially if your friend groups are in different kind of dynamics like parents and I think friends within parents is one whole area. But if you don't have kids or you're not in that group, it's well, you think different. about it in school uh-huh. and um, and then, you know, you go on to either more schooling or mm-hmm. to work. We re- we do spend a lot of time with the people that we're around the most. Mm-hmm. And it if we are going to spend time with people that have actually interests that are similar to ours, that's what creates those friendships. Mm-hmm. When uh, someone has developed outside interests it like you said it takes away from that time that you spend with a person absolutely like there's only a finite amount of time and energy and we're going to talk about some of the reasons why a lot of friendships don't aren't maintained um and, but you know simply put like our friendships really serve as an opportunity to connect with kind of like your most kind of authentic generous kind of like self like it shapes you into being a ideally a more empathic a more aware individual because you're there to support your friends right and you also want to receive support from your friends but you know the real question is how exactly do we make and keep friends in the first place like i think that part is a little bit of a mystery sometime and what i wanted to kind of highlight is let's talk about how we make new friends and making friends requires initiative like what do you think that means takes work i mean you can't just rely on the like the inertia of Uh you know a chance meeting or a uh, a class that you take together if if you want that person to be a friend of yours maybe you're 
two separately thinking about it, you actually have to put some time and energy into it. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. That's that's that difficulty that you and I were talking Mm -hmm. about in um, either last episode or the episode before that is we always gravitate to what's easy. Yep. And we always gravitate to uh, what we feel is a sure thing. And with friendships, that's not not always a consistent thing. You got it. And what's really kind of fascinating, this comes out of the Platonic book that we know, know, she kind of highlights with friendships, is putting yourself out there, joining get-togethers, getting to know people matters. But it's not just putting yourself out there once. It's all about regularity. So you want to do things that consistently put you in front of different groups of people or the same group, actually, but on multiple occasions. This is why for a lot of people, their friendships might show up at their place of work, which is why I would say, well, this is one of the most common areas that for a lot of us, we, we make friendships. It's in the your place of employment. But it could also be maybe it's your place of faith where you go for like, you know, regular get togethers, you know, on a, on a weekly or so basis. If you're not in those types of settings, then the key is you have to create those types of settings for you. That could be something like joining a class or a book club or like, you know, doing some improv, you know, kind of class, something where you're learning a new skill together. The real thing about this is that proximity really does matter. You need multiple opportunities to see the person, to run into the person, and to interact with that person. Yeah, I was just thinking of kind of uh, an unfortunate group of friends that people develop when they are sick with a illness, mm-hmm. and then they develop the friends with the doctor's office. Yeah. And those are like now their buddies and they just want to keep mm-hmm. communicating with the doctor's right. office or the staff that work there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another challenge area that I see a lot is friendships that are usually connected to maybe some unhealthy or less than desirable kind of behaviors. So substance use is one of them. So oh, if yeah. you think about like, you know, bars that, and again, it's not that bars are a bad place. It's just a matter of if substances become a challenge. It's because of a lot of the proximity, the frequency, and the regularity for a lot of people. And that comes up a lot is when one person now either doesn't drink, they feel that they're going to lose their Mm -hmm. friend group because they're there. Yep. Absolutely. This is why, you know, there's, there can be a stand in for AA, which I think AA can be helpful for people that it works for, but there's a clear subset that AA is not a good fit for. Um, but again, it can be another, I think one of the reasons why AE works for people that it does, it's, 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 it is a good fit for is because of that regular frequent proximity. Um, and there's lots of ways that you can do that without necessarily having to do AA or without necessarily having to join, you know, a faith or religious kind of organization or without, you know, having to, you know, have a consistent place of work. Because as you and I know, there's a lot of work from home. A lot of my clients actually work from home these days. And one of the um, unspoken casualties of work from home is the loss of workplace kind of friendships because you're just not seeing these people as often anymore. And this shows up a lot, again, when you have sleep compounded with that, it just makes it even worse. Yeah, do you think it's different for different age groups? I do, I absolutely do. And, but let me ask you, why do you think that, why do you think that is? Um, I mean, the first thing that came to mind is um, just immaturity and not having prior relationships that you've developed with mm-hmm. people. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is, you know, as you, if you think about, you know, I loved you mentioned earlier about mammals and that we, you know, we don't eat our young. <laughs> um, we don't try to. Right. But what that also kind of highlights is that your brain is not honestly fully formed until really your late twenties. And if you think about developmentally as human beings, how we, 
progress for that first, you know, roughly 25-ish years of our lives, there's a lot of shared camaraderie types of experiences, whether it's, you know, through grade school or whether it's, you know, through if you choose to go to college, that if you did that or, or workplace or those types of things. And what's interesting, though, is once you become a little bit older than that, those shared experiences really kind of disappear from kind of culture and society, like because you're now either working or in a workplace or another type of thing. The other real piece, I think, that impacts, you know, friendships are your ability and your skill level with navigating vulnerability. Hmm. And this one's hard because the all friendships will encounter conflict. Bumps. Yep, bumps. Like disagreements, misunderstandings, whether it's intentional or not. And the question is, how do you want to handle that? Like, how do you want to respond to that? And we'll talk in a, in a little bit about a couple of ways that people respond to it. But part of that is also the vulnerability of saying, hey, when you when you said that the other day, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I didn't like that or I didn't appreciate that. Not with the goal of being adversarial, but with the goal of saying, hey, it bothered me and I care about you and, and our friendship and I want us to find a way to work through it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in terms of with uh, sleep and mm -hmm. And this whole friendship idea, a lot of people, I think, gravitate to, well, why are we talking about this with the platonic type of friends instead mm -hmm. of the person who's like in bed with you? Sure. Um, because we all have have realized, yes, you do have to work hard for, you know, a relationship, a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that people believe that um, their friendships don't have to take that much work. And that just seems not to be the case. Oh, yeah. No, it's not the case. In fact, I would say you the biggest casualty of this, I will say I'm and make some broad generalizations but men struggle more with friendships than i think women do and is for, that men having struggling with friendships with just men or men having relationships and struggling with friendships with men or women i think they're struggling with relationships in general that require more vulnerability now i will say for female friends of men my hunch is that you probably see lots of opportunities where maybe you're carrying a bigger emotional load in the friendship. And what I mean by that is that you might feel the tendency or the, I won't say responsibility, but you might feel something that makes you feel like, gosh, I need to process a little bit more of our friendship for my male That's interesting. I, I feel like with my, my male friendships, mm -hmm. I don't seem to actually have to worry about it too much because I'm not having that second script that I figured right. out that the, uh, the female yourself. have it. Yes. And so here's the thing, too. So there's gender dynamics in terms of these friendships, these platonic friendships that can either We should have reviewed you. the like the movie When Harry Went Met Sally. This is like turning oh into gosh, a... Oh, my gosh. It's so cute. I love that. That's a classic. It is. I know. We should have a movie night. Um, yes, but absolutely. So, but this, this goes back to what you're referring to, what I was trying to chat in earlier of this idea of being vulnerable and being vulnerable says when you're either needing something or you're not getting something that you want. Now, it doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to get it, but it does mean you have to say, oh, wow, like I actually have to kind of verbalize some of that and kind of put that in there, uh, or put that out there in the relationship. Um, now, what do you think about that, Michelle? Like, do you think it's easier for you to be vulnerable with certain types of friends or certain groups of friends than others? I mean, I've been definitely accused of just being an open book. I mean, whether or not it's like a patient or a friend or a family, mm -hmm. I probably watch myself more with family. Mm -hmm. um, and that 
probably has to deal with the fact that I know more about them. Yeah. Um, with with people, sometimes, not that I want to just get a rise out of people, but mm-hmm. I really am trying to just have that genuine mm-hmm. self that they may not know versus right. my family, I feel... Maybe they've had a head start. Yeah. Well, so there's absolutely, you know, in terms of family, you know, our family of origin can either be, you know, a wonderful, supportive, amazing experience, or it can be incredibly traumatizing, uh, depending on who's listening to us out there, right? And I think even within our own families, we can have some family members we enjoy and others that we're like, oof, that's that's a challenge. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. There's that shared history for family that can make it both, you know, a positive as well as maybe potentially like a negative. Like you might actually say, gosh, I can't stand my family. <laughs> like I need some healthy boundaries there. Like I need some healthy space and distance from them versus other people would be like, I love my family and I can't get enough of spending time with them sometimes. Um, this is also why it's an incredibly important thing about friendships is sometimes friendships are the families that you choose as well. So if there are parts in your life where maybe you feel like you didn't get a level of support at earlier phases or you're not getting the level of support that you want now from your family, platonic friendships can be the family that you choose, the friends that you kind of discuss some things with. Now, this also brings to the next kind of point in platonic, which is disagreement or anger or conflict, really, is what's kind of showing up in friendships. Michelle, how do you handle conflict with your friends? Like when you have a disagreement, what do you do? So when when I have a disagreement with uh, friends, that um, I don't it could, it could just be about just about anything. I at least try to name the disagreement mm-hmm. because a lot of times you start identifying the person as the disagreement, mm-hmm. and I think depending on that level of friendship and where you want to go with it, if if it's a, like a showstopper type of disagreement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you may need to just give yourself a little bit of space and acknowledge that's not who the friend is. That's right. just who the acknowledgement partner is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not great with this because sometimes I just don't have time or bandwidth in my in my life mm. for that one. Absolutely. Um, but naming what it is at the time can be really helpful. And then what I tend to do is not necessarily talk about it right at that moment. Mm-hmm. I tend to give some space, like physical yeah. space, mm-hmm time type of space and that seems to help a little bit now um on a good day when i'm following good rules Mm -hmm. uh i usually try to apologize sure um yeah when you're aware of it for just becoming like heated from the argument not apologize that i'm right and you're wrong it's just that we we have this disagreement we Mm -hmm. we reacted to it poorly right um and on the other side a lot of the arguments that i have are because i just technically don't have the time or the the capacity to mm-hmm. give into the time right so at least just naming that and just saying i don't have you know the time or the sure. energy or the interest to pursue mm-hmm. pursue something absolutely and i would say so what is important about this is not avoiding the conflict and i would say this is probably the most common approach for a lot of us is to and separation does not mean necessarily avoiding it can turn into avoidance behavior oh, of course right uh, but this is this is where I think a lot of times if you are have are really solid with your friends, mm-hmm. you tend to use the time before sleep or in the middle of the night mm-hmm. to have this this time in this space to think about it, mm-hmm. and it's just probably not the right time. What right. do you think? Exactly. Like the 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 worst time to have a conversation is when the emotions are high. 
So if your emotions are definitely being triggered by something, that is not the time to like sit down and say, hey, look, you're being a total like pain in the butt to me. That's not the time to have that conversation. So the first thing is definitely you want to take some space, like calm or cool your own kind of emotional jets. And then, but you do want to come back to the conversation. And this the same, so what's interesting, these same traits and, and skills that you use with your romantic partner are very similar to what you'd be using with a platonic partner. You're just talking about, or platonic friend, you're just talking about these things in, in the same kind of way of saying, hey, look, it's not that you're placing blame on that. You're not saying, you know, like it, you were, you did this and it hurt me. You're saying, I was hurt when this happened. Like it really bothered me when you couldn't clear your schedule for us to touch base and it's been three months since last time we talked and and really being honest and saying hey it's because i care about you like i want to see how you're doing i want to i want to i want us both to kind of be able available to kind of support each other and being able to engage in those conversations will absolutely strengthen um those piece uh, those pieces of that the other part is you always want to ask for what was your friend's perspective on the situation like how did your friend interpret it and understand it because sometimes how you viewed it and how we've i know we talked earlier today about like some consciousness pieces how you view an interaction or disagreement may or may could be completely different than what your friend viewed it as and so it's important to understand like their perspective as well yeah that um catastrophizing that we talk about in just what the thoughts are it doesn't have to be about an argument or a level of pain or a level of, you know, panic. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do blow things out of proportion or mm -hmm. all maybe on a typical basis, we blow things out of proportion. Just acknowledging that is very important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So again, helpful things. There's some more skills in the kind of the book that talks about, you know, ways to, um, to handle, you know, affection and friendships. We don't talk about that often because I think we, um, can easily get scared with like, am I affectionate with like, like my platonic friend or not? Um, but there's some more kind of in detailed kind of conversations about that in the book too. That's a helpful read. So, um, anyway, I think it's a great read. Um, it's not the only book out there on friendships, but I think it's a helpful newer one. So friendships, uh, whether it's platonic, romantic, mm -hmm. um, educational type of, you know, mm -hmm. friendship groups, they can be really helpful for improving your general sleep. Um, I mean, maybe it's giving your brain some other focus other than the internal focus. Mm -hmm. Not having close friendships can be one of these things that um, can become a worry for some people. Mm -hmm. um, but being worried about having arguments or uh, disagreements with friends is something that you really just want to acknowledge that they can be good or bad, but they really are not going to be an optional part of your, your mental and your physical health. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise you're going to have to pay for cuddlers, <laughs> which, you know, could be, there's probably pros and cons of cuddlers. So, so I, I think, uh, stuffed animals, stuffed animals will still be my, my go-to. Yeah. They're always soft. Or puppies. You could do puppies, yes. So there's there's even conflict disagreements with things that don't talk to you. Right. Yep. You know, the stuffed animal that takes up the entire bed. Mm, yeah. My daughter has those. I'm like, how do you even sleep in that bed? <laughs> 
preparation. Right, right. Anyway, until next time, it's been a good conversation. Yes. Let us Let us know if uh, you like this podcast, and we are excited to bring it to you every few weeks, okay? Yep. I'm really proud of us. You know, we made it through the summer, like yes. the entire summer of not um, having hiatuses. I know. We, we didn't disappear on camps or... We, d- we disappeared. Or, we just prepared for it. We did. We're slowly getting better. So, all right. And we got some exciting plans, which we're going to get better at implementing. So, all right. All right. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Sleep Takeout. We hope that you found our discussion on sleep valuable. Help your friends to sleep better. You can share the Sleep Takeout podcast with them and be sure to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast app. Remember, Sleep Nation, sleep well, dream big, and wake up refreshed. Bye. Bye.